Welcome back to another episode of Give That Fan a Podcast. I am Ryan Blake with a new microphone setup. That, as always, is my co-host, Paul Valley. I'm going to shoot Derek a message real quick because he said he would retweet us. This is our first time going live on Twitter, so I'm going to shoot him a message. We're live on OFP. All right, so hopefully he'll give us a retweet from uh, from Utah Street Report. Uh as of now, we are not broadcasting live to YouTube. I tried to set that up, and apparently it takes at least 24 hours to become active on your account. So I guess that'll start with our next episode. I didn't realize that. I was a little a little late to the party. But, Paul, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. How are, how are you today? I'm okay. I, I've, I've been better. Uh, a lot of that has to do with some recent Orioles happenings, uh, but we'll get into that a little shortly. Uh, I'm going to start with... I didn't even set up my, I didn't set up my screen properly this time. I just dove right in. Uh, I want to talk about Anthony Santander because uh, some idiot, I don't remember who it was, his name might have been similar to mine, wrote an article around the trade deadline that basically said there are several moves the Orioles could make, but the one that they need to make is they need to trade Anthony Santander so that they can call up Kyle Stowers, get him in the lineup every day. All Tony has done since then is absolutely rake. He has six home runs in his last four games. He joins Luke Scott and Albert Bell for the most home runs in a four-game span in Orioles history, and he's the first to do so with three multi-home run games. He's been absolutely unconscious, Paul. Yeah, and um, the the game on, what was it, on Monday was the Orioles' first win in the Anthony Santander multi-homer game, so... They get off the schneid with that, yeah. He, and then um, they immediately go out Tuesday. He hits two more home runs and they lose again. Right. I think I think that makes them one and nine now in, in one, games and Santander homers twice. Yes, yeah, so it, it's funny because they, they had a pretty big lead in that Monday game, and he hit he hit a second home run. I said, "Oh crap!" You know, yeah. just, just joking around, but I mean, like legitimate. And then the Red Sox get it. I think they scored a run and then got and got a couple of guys on in the ninth inning. I was like, "Are you kidding?" Yeah. Me? <laughs> um. But yeah. Look, he seemed like he was stuck on 27 home runs for a long time. And then out of nowhere, he's got 33 now. Um, he has the most home runs by an Orioles switch hitter since 1987 when uh, Eddie Murray hit, uh, I think, 33. or over. I know he hit over 30. Um, and this is a guy that I was convinced was a lock to be traded uh, at the deadline. And he's still here. And then I started to convince myself he's probably going to get traded during the offseason. But if you have a guy that is a switch hitter that's going to hit 30 home runs and drive in 90 to 100 runs. You can do a whole hell of a lot worse than that in your lineup, especially when if they add some of the players, some of the caliber players that we're thinking and are hopeful that they're going to add, that's a really nice guy to hit fifth or sixth in your order. No, absolutely. And I, I tweeted this last night from my O's account. The, uh, the home run lead across all of baseball belonged to an Oriole every year from 2013 through 2016. It was Chris Davis a couple times, Nelson Cruz, Mark Trumbo in 16. Since then, the uh, the season high for an Oriole is Trey Mancini, who hit 35 in 2019. And last night, Santander tied Ryan Mountcastle from last season and 2017 Manny Machado with 33 home runs. So Santander has a very real chance with eight games left to have the Orioles' best power-hitting season, maybe not slugging, but home-run-hitting season since 2016. So uh, uh, definitely a great guy to have in the middle of the lineup. I think regardless of what other moves the Orioles potentially make this offseason, it's it's going to be hard to to trade a guy like Santander considering he's been a major part of the offense down the stretch. 
Yeah, in 2020, I tweeted out that I think that Anthony Santander is going to be the best player to come out of this rebuild not named Adley Rutschman. I still don't feel that way um, because of some of the guys you already see on the team, like Rutschman and, and Gunnar Henderson and Ryan Mountcastle. And, um, and then starting next year, the list will go on. But he's a damn good player. And I always thought that he could be – that he profiled as a 30-homer, 100-RBI guy, and that's what he's doing this year. You know, and if the Orioles, if some guys have been able to get on base more for him at the beginning of the year, he might be approach. He might be at that hundred RBI mark. So definitely a big season for Santander. Something we're really happy to see. And the main key here is he's stayed healthy, which is something he has struggled to do since he became a big leaguer. Actually, in his minor league career too, because he was a Rule Five pick because of that shoulder injury uh, with with Cleveland. So kudos to Anthony Santander putting together a big season and making. Uh, making it hard for the Orioles to, to try and trade him when it looked like at the beginning of the year. Well, injury-prone guy who hasn't lived up to the potential, and he might be gone. Speaking of guys who might be gone, there's another outfielder who has not lived up to expectation this year, and that's Austin Hayes. He we, we talked about him before, Paul. He was fantastic for a while, hit for the cycle in a shortened game against the Nationals. Uh, in, in six innings, he hit for the cycle. And it seems like immediately after that, he forgot how to hit. He's been struggling mightily most of the season. He's found a little bit of a groove lately, grounded into a double play to end the game last night, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But I I sent out a poll the other day, and I said, if it was up to you, would Austin Hayes be a starting outfielder on the 2023 Orioles to begin the season? And I think it was about 65% of the responses were no. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. I think, and I I can't say that I disagree, but I do think it's amazing how we were talking about how this guy should have been an all star this season, and then now we don't even want him on the team. And I, I've seen a lot of negativity thrown Austin Hayes' way. Are you are you sour on him at this point? Um, I mean that's what happens to a guy that doesn't hit for three months, right? He didn't hit in July, he didn't hit in August, and he, it took him till the middle of September to start hitting this month. Um, soured on him. I don't know if that's the right word, but I, I don't want him on. I, I don't want to say I don't want him on the team next year because I feel like that's a really harsh thing to say about somebody who I was in love with like two years ago, last year even. Yeah, uh, I almost and, bought his jersey in May. Yeah, the thing with Hayes is he struggled mightily for the better part of three months, and even though he stayed in the lineup and he stayed on the roster. You think it's because he's been banged up. And it goes back to the overall big issue with Austin Hayes, and that's that he can't stay healthy. And, you know, the swing decisions have been terrible. And I was talking about it on Twitter with somebody the other night where we were talking about Gunnar Henderson, how he was 0 for 16, and he takes three walks and hits a 428-foot laser beam home run while he's 0 for 16. And it's these professional bats that Gunnar Henderson's taking at 21 years old that shows you like just the exact kind of player that he is. And then we mentioned that you look at what Austin Hayes would do in that situation and he would compound that and turn it from an 0 for 16 to probably like a 1 for 27 because he would be swinging at everything and anything to try and swing himself out of the slump and not take what the game's giving him. So Austin Hayes for me, no way Paul's long-winded again with his answer. Um, <laughs> Austin Hayes for me, if you're going to have Santander, Mullins, Stowers, and eventually Kowser on the team, to me Hayes is the odd man out. And doesn't really bother me like I used to think it would. 
Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. You know, I, I think he'd be fine as a, a fourth outfielder type. He may even be forced out of that role, you know, by the middle of next season. I don't um, think he'd want to be a fourth outfielder. No, I don't. I don't think so either. And and he's a guy you might want to consider putting out on the trade market. But what do you, you you said it, Paul? He's been a bad hitter for three months. I mean, what kind of value are you looking at there in a trade? I don't. I don't. He's think He's going to have to be be part of a package with another outfielder if yeah. you want to trade him for something or another quality player if you want to trade him for anything of value. But I, I do want to talk about Gunnar Henderson because you brought him up and, and his excellent game in the middle of an over-16 slump. He comes out, walks three times, and then hits an absolute bomb to center field. I'm surprised the exit velo was only 111 because it, it looked like an absolute rocket. And the sound, I mean, it's it's the best sound in sports, the, the crack of the bat. Uh, he was named Baseball America's Minor League Player of the Year for 2022. A huge honor. Very exciting for him. I, I think he was... The, the pretty likely candidate there, considering he shot all the way up to number one on their prospect rankings with a strong minor league season. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't want to beat a dead horse here because we've, we've raved about Gunner on previous shows. But, I mean, the kid looks like he's here to stay, and he looks like he's going to be a stud for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I think this time next year we'll be talking about him potentially winning Rookie of the Year. Uh, and then maybe the year after that we'll be talking about him potentially winning an MVP. Uh this guy's got superstar written all over him. He, he, in my opinion, he has never looked overmatched in in an at bat. Um, he seems to make adjustments on the fly. He takes the game as it comes to him. He doesn't let things, you know, snowball on him. And he's in the, he's scuffling a little bit right now. But in the middle of scuffling, he has a three walk monster home run game, like you said. It takes a special player to do what he did from last year to this year. And we're talking about a guy who he walked 56 times last year, but he struck out 153 times. And so what did he do? He went and he, and he kind of turned that on its head. He went out and at double a, he walked more than he struck out. He walked almost as much as he struck out at triple a. And he's pretty damn close to, um, to even at the major league level. Um, he's just a special player. 21 years old. He's the youngest player in Major League Baseball right now. He's been the youngest player in every league he's played in this year. He's just a special, special talent, and I'm so glad. I, I, honestly, I think he could be better than Manny Machado, and I loved Manny Machado. I still do love Manny Machado, but he's he's a rare player, in my opinion. I'm so glad that the Orioles have him. Yeah, I don't think it's that far-fetched to say that he might be better than Manny. Um, tweet from Orioles Director of Player Development, Matt Blood, from this afternoon. No one has worked harder or taken their development plan more serious than Gunner. Congratulations to him, and thank you to the O's player development staff for helping him all along the way. Uh, Matt Blood knows talent when he sees it. He's been fantastic since he came to the Orioles. Former podcast guest. Maybe we'll try to get him back at some point, but that's, that's high praise from, uh, that's high from, praise. An, integral, <laughs> from an integral part of, of this Orioles farm system. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about before I start uh, potentially yelling into the microphone. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Ramona Rios left the game last night with a right knee strain. He was added to the 10-day injured list. That means his season with eight games left is over unless the Orioles somehow sneak their way into the playoffs and he's able to return. Paul, he left the game with a home run, a triple, and a single. And I I feel bad for that. I I almost made a joke last night, and I, I didn't do it. And I almost feel like I shouldn't even be saying it now. But I texted a friend and said, is it messed up if I say that he had a homer, triple, a single, 
and then was doubled over in pain. So he did kind of hit for the cycle. Oh man. That's I, the, the comedy fan in me thinks that's kind of funny, but I love you, Ramon. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. Jorge Mateo did hit a double after coming in for him. So the, that spot in the lineup did end up hitting for the cycle. If you, you know, think about that. Way. that. I mean, can they discredit that to Ramon since he got three, he got the two hardest parts and he got three fourths of it overall. Yeah. I mean, and he was pulled in what it was the fifth or sixth inning. Yeah, I think it was the sixth. Yeah, credit it to Ramon. He no, hit for the it, cycle. No, Congratulations. It, it was the fifth. It was the fifth because he got the base hit in the fifth inning. That's right. Yeah, congrats congrats to Ramon on, on hitting for the cycle last night. We're, we're proud of you. Join Austin Hayes as the Orioles to do it this year and uh, a few other guys who have done it in Orioles history. Kyle Ripken, Brooks Robinson, uh, Aubrey Huff, Felix P.A. Who's that? Jonathan VR. <laughs> yeah, who is uh, that guy? A.H. I, ah! I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't even see him on half the list anymore. Um, but anyway, this this is not a uh, a, a politics podcast. Um, all right, Paul, should we uh, should we get into why we're both a little torqued right now? Uh, I am not torqued. You are, which is rare. It's yeah, rare. It's, it's, but, it's but, normally but you. You you have gone on several Brandon Hyde rants. Yeah, man. Um, and I and I'll I have I have my piece to say, but I'll I'll let you. Um, so we weren't going to do the podcast today. We had we both had too much stuff going on, and then Ryan texts me, and he's like, we're doing the podcast. I have to yell about this lineup. I was like, all right, let's do it. So, Ryan, I'm going to let you take center stage here, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go off what you say. So it's, it's not just the lineup. It's a culmination of a decision from last night, which I'll get into, and the lineup. And I, I texted Paul, like he said, and I said, this is, this is fresh. It's before the game. Let's hop on, put out an episode. We'll try to keep it kind of short, but I'm mad. I even texted Derek, uh, and I said, are we supposed to try to avoid strong language on the show? Because I, I kind of just assumed from the beginning that we should try to keep this clean, and I think we've done a good job of that so far. I think a couple weeks ago I called you a son of a bitch for picking Daryl Hernandez in the, in the minor league draft. But aside from that, we, we've been pretty clean on here. Uh, and he told I've dropped, me – I think I've dropped some S-bombs. Maybe one or two, uh, but Paul told or, uh, Derek told me, I don't think you have to hold back too much. So uh, here goes. What the fuck are we doing, man? I don't understand. You've got you're three and a half games back of the wild card with eight games to play. The team you're chasing is a scuffling Seattle Mariners team who has been losing to the worst teams in the American League. I'm not saying I think the Orioles still have a shot at the playoffs. I've I've passed that point. However. There's eight games left in the season, and the lineup you're rolling out tonight against Rich Hill is Ryan McKenna, Ryan Mountcastle, Anthony Santander. So far, I'm not too mad. All right? Give Mullins a day off against the lefty. He hasn't been great against lefties. I'm fine with having McKenna. He did. He did. Uh, But I'm, I'm okay with that. Your cleanup hitter is your DH, Jesus Aguilar, who we'll get into in a second. Austin Hayes in right field. He's been a little better lately, but still, I don't think he should be anywhere near the five hole. Tyler Nevin, who was just added to the roster to replace Ramona Rios at third base, batting sixth. Jorge Mateo bumped up to seventh, playing shortstop. Taron Vavra finally gets a, a start against the lefty. Uh, he's batting eighth, playing second base. And Robinson Torino is behind the plate. Your bench is Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, Cedric Mullins, Kyle Stowers. And I never thought I would say this, but I looked at the lineup tonight, and I even thought, where the hell is Rubenet Odor? He's been playing hot lately. 
I, I kind of am annoyed that he's not in the lineup. Now, I wouldn't replace him with Vavra. Take it back. Look, he's been good. He's been good the last week or so. Offensively. Yeah, except for offensively. Two, two egregious errors last night. Yes, offensively he's been good. I don't understand why – look, we've talked about this before. We don't know if the lineup decisions are all Brandon Hyde. We don't know if it's coming down from someone higher up. Maybe it's a GM. Maybe it's someone else. Maybe it is all Hyde. Brandon Hyde, if it's not just you, I apologize. But what the hell are you doing? What is going on with these consistently poor lineups giving multiple key guys days off at the same time when you're fighting for a playoff spot? It does not make sense. And you you look at his body of work over the course of the year. He has turned this team around, all right? His players, I should say, have turned this team around. Has the manager been a big part of that? Sure. How much? I don't know. I don't think you can quantify that. But there's been all this discussion. Oh, Brandon Hyde's going to win manager of the year. How can you, you know, be mad at his decisions down the stretch? We're fighting for a playoff spot, Paul. Yeah. There's um, a lot on the line. You can be mad because the manager has been responsible for some losses down the stretch. He absolutely has. His bullpen decision making, the punt lineups that he's put out, and you're going to miss the playoffs. And you can't have your manager costing you games in a playoff chase down down the stretch. Even last night, it's it's an 8-8 eight to eight ball game in the fourth inning. You just came back from a five-run deficit to tie it. And you're going to go to Jake Reed to, to try to give you a couple innings. And I don't think he got an out. And D.L. Hall comes in, gives up a couple knocks. But he, he was good last night. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's there's been a lot that Brandon Hyde has done down the stretch that make me question if he's the guy to manage a playoff team. And yeah. I've been pretty tame to this point with regards to Hyde. I've, I've let you say your piece. I've agreed on certain things. But I haven't been one of those guys on Twitter who's, you know, Hyde needs to go, Hyde sucks, all that. And there are plenty of those people. I'm, I'm starting to lean that way. And I, it feels bad because I want to root for the guy, and I do root for the guy. And it would be great if he was the guy to lead us to the promised land. But all this talk, Brandon Hyde's the manager of the year. The last manager to win manager of the year and miss the playoffs was in 2010. It was Bud Black with the Padres. And if you're looking at the American League, you have to go back to 2004 when Buck Showalter won it with the Texas Rangers. I don't think Brandon Hyde is going to win American League manager of the year. I think it's going to be Scott Service of the Mariners or someone else who is going to the playoffs. And I I, I need a breather. So react to that for a second, and then I'll get into last night's decision that, that angers me even more. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think Brandon Hyde's gonna gonna win Manager of the Year. I don't think Brandon Hyde should be the manager of the Orioles in twenty twenty three. I, you got basically three complete games in a row from your starters and still managed to botch the bullpen. Um, the next day, the next time that you need, I mean, in that in that uh, the last game against the Tigers and the first two games against Houston, you got eighty of eighty one outs from your starting pitchers and you still managed to misuse your bullpen the next game and have your closer throw 33 pitches and give up the game. He he, he doesn't – he's in over his head, frankly. He's in over his head. There's one game this entire year where I've thought to myself, wow, Brandon Hyde did a really nice job managing that game again, that victory. And that was the second game – that was the first game after the doubleheader sweep by the Blue Jays over the Orioles back on Labor Day. Yeah. Tuesday, September 6th was the one game where I thought, wow, Brandon Hyde did a great job managing that ball game. He did what it took to win the game. More often, I've thought, wow, 
Brandon Hodge, the reason they lost that game, they didn't need to lose the game on Saturday against Houston. They didn't need to lose the game. Um, he he went to Joey Crable, who's been his worst reliever for two months. Um, and then he only used CNL Perez for, and I get it, he had six righties coming up, but he only used CNL Perez for nine pitches. He didn't need to try and get a five-out save out of um, Felix Bautista. And then even still, you're leading that ball game with two outs in the ninth inning, and you have runners on base and Kyle Tucker, the, a left-handed batter at the plate, and you have D.L. Hall warming in the bullpen while Felix Bautista is approaching 30 pitches, and he's gassed, and even when he wasn't gassed, his stuff wasn't there. The writing's on the wall. Go bring in your power lefty. If you fall apart with your power lefty against a left-handed hitter, okay, fine. I can live with that. And I can't live with watching Felix Bautista struggle, watching him fall apart, and allowing it to happen. And then what happened the next day when D.L. Hall came in with the bases? He had the bases loaded and two outs, and he's facing Kyle Tucker. What did he do? He struck out Kyle Tucker. You could have won three games against Houston had a chance for that sweep. But instead, you just decided to stick with Bautista, who looked the worst he's looked all year. And you were using him for five outs, which he's only done once or twice before. And it was shaky then, too. That right there, the, the, the bullpen usage, not being able to get the most out of your relievers after they had basically three days off. The lineup decision tonight. And look, they're, they're three and a half games out behind Seattle. They're five games out behind Tampa Bay. They're four and a half games behind Seattle. They're six games behind Tampa Bay. Because right. they, they lost a the season series to both of those teams. So they have to finish with a better record than one of those teams to make the playoffs. There's eight games left. It ain't happening. So when I saw the lineup, I wasn't like, how could he put that lineup out? They've got, they're in a playoff chase. They're not in a playoff chase. They made sure they weren't in a playoff chase two weeks ago when they lost 5-7 of seven to the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. The reality is the season ended then as far as trying to make the playoffs. But this is one of the worst lineups, if not the worst lineup he's put out all year. And for me, I'm hoping it seals the deal that this isn't the guy moving forward. I just, I feel like he's a hindrance to the team. He, he's like Ruth Neto Door in the manager's role, <laughs> right? Because he's about vibes. The guys love him. They love playing for him. He's about the vibes in the clubhouse. Oh, man. But the stuff that he does on the field, I mean... The Orioles had to demote Joey Crable today just to get Brandon Hyde to stop using him in a close game in the fifth <laughs> or sixth inning. That's, <laughs> that, that's, that's tongue-in-cheek, but that's what it feels like. Because no, it does. Like, how many times do you have to get burned before you stop touching the hot stove? <laughs> I just... Look, I said I wasn't going to get too fired up. <laughs> I was just the, thinking. You said the, you were going to tone it back, but the, no, the, this is the, good. The lineup is, is a joke, but it that doesn't matter to me anymore because you had an opportunity the last third of the season and you completely squandered it by bullpen decisions, lineup decisions, not trusting your starters when they, when they're throwing really well and to have a low pitch count. Uh, honestly, it was like Brandon High's body was taken over by somebody else when he let his pitchers go and in, pitch into the ninth inning three straight games. Like, the fact that he didn't take somebody out in the seventh inning just because, oh, I want to play the matchups, and you're about to get into the matchups. And the other thing I'm even more pissed about, so we'll see how that goes. But Brendan Hyde's not the guy moving forward, and the sooner the Orioles realize that, the better. 
This is a safe space, Orioles fans. Uh, I, I understand we're we're pretty frustrated. Don't get us wrong. We both love the Orioles with yeah, a oh, burning absolutely. passion. That's why but, we feel this. Man, it, this team was capable of making the playoffs, and it's it's hard to argue that Hyde hasn't held them back, uh, at least to some extent. Again, it's so hard to quantify what a manager does and does not do for his players. But, man, there have been some decisions, especially down the stretch, that have been frustrating. And I'm going to talk about two of them. One of them I, I didn't even want to get into, but you brought up the Astros. Yuli Gurriel, all he does, every Yuli Gurriel highlight I see is an opposite field ground ball RBI single. Mm-hmm. A few weeks ago, we were in, in Houston. It was the Justin Verlander game. He ended up coming out after three innings. It was a bullpen game. Always had him on the ropes. Always had him on the ropes. They were tied. Brought in, I honestly, I don't remember which pitcher it was. It was either Crable or Baker. It was Baker. They overshifted. Yuli Gurriel hit a two-run RBI single, weak ground ball, right where the second baseman would have been playing under a normal uh, infield alignment. Saturday night, Houston's in Baltimore. I believe this is, again, it was a tie game in the top of the eighth or the top of the ninth, I want to say. It was, it was at the end of the game. Bases loaded for Yuli. What does he do? He hits a two-run RBI single, weak ground ball, just past where the second baseman would have been playing under an, a normal infield alignment. I'm not one to complain much about the shift. I hate the shift. But he burnt you once before with that exact same thing. Why are you putting three infielders on the left side of second base against a guy who is very good at spraying the ball across all fields, especially on the ground? I... It drove me up a freaking wall. Because Brandon Hyde doesn't have an original thought. <laughs> if something set, if something pops up on a, on on his iPad screen that's analytical, he's going to go with what it says every single time. There is not one part of me that believes he has a feel for what's actually happening on the field in any given game because of the decisions he makes based on analytics and based on matchups. There's if Yuli Gurriel continues to beat you with ground balls to the right side, why would you continue to shift on him? Especially if your pitcher is going to throw him pitches that make him hit ground balls to the right side. But continue. Yeah, and the, the last thing, and this is what we're both incensed about, and this is why we did decide, screw it, we're going to record a podcast this evening. Last night, Kyle Stowers was in a starting lineup, batting ninth, playing DH. He's been hitting well. He has. He's against a right-handed pitcher. In the bottom of the fifth, top of the fifth, sorry. The Orioles are in Boston. In the top of the fifth, his spot comes up. And this was actually right after Ramona Rios had left the game and they brought Mateo in to, to pinch run for him at third base. Fifth inning, it's a 13-8 to eight ball game you're losing. Fifth There's runners inning. Fifth inning. Runners on second and third, two outs. Paul, Kyle Stowers... The last two seasons in the minors, I forgot to pull up the exact numbers, but his OPS against lefties in the minors has been very good. Better than his OPS against right-handed pitchers like for each of the last two seasons. Well yeah. over 800. Well over 800. I think this year it was over 900. Mm-hmm. Brandon Hyde brought in Jesus Aguilar to pinch hit against Matt Strom in the, in the top of the fifth, and uh, Aguilar flew out to left field on the first pitch. This, keep in mind, Paul, this is... Matt Strom is Boston's only left-handed reliever. They did not have another lefty to turn to, which means... It's the fifth inning. It's the fifth inning. 
And this means that by the time Stowers' spot in the lineup comes up again, and this this shouldn't even be part of this conversation, but it is. By the time Stowers' spot comes up in the lineup again, it's going to be a right-handed pitcher on the mound. Now, to be fair, Jesus Aguilar hit a single off the monster in that last at-bat. Whatever. I don't care. Kyle Stowers, we've talked about his splits. He's a reverse splits guy. He has been for each of the past two seasons. He has one major league plate appearance against a left-handed pitcher. Mm-hmm. It came in the Toronto series when he was replacing Anthony Santander, who was unvaccinated, couldn't make the trip. It came with two outs in the ninth inning of an 11-1 to loss. So an at-bat that doesn't matter. He was hit by a pitch. He has zero plate appearances against the lefty since his official call-up on August 19th. Zero plate appearances, one in his major league career. It was a hit-by-pitch, which means zero at-bats. I'm going to say it again. What the fuck are we doing? What does Kyle Stowers have to do to get a shot against the left-handed pitcher at any situation? Hyde talks about wanting to let the kids play and give the young guys a chance to be in the lineup more often, and he's done that for the most part, unless there's a left-handed pitcher on the hill, which means Kyle Stowers, we're not using you today. Sorry, pal. What? There's no explanation for it. There's none. Aguilar is not a good hitter against lefties or righties. He's even worse against lefties than he is against righties. So why are you taking out Kyle Stowers, who's been a great hitter for you the last few weeks, for this guy in the fifth inning? Because he's never had an original thought as a manager. Uh, Look, this year, year against left-handed hitters, left-handed pitchers in the minor leagues at AAA all year, Kyle Stowers batted 326 with a 982 OPS. Last year, 982 OPS. 982 OPS. Last year, against left-handed pitching, Kyle Stowers hit 292 with a 951 OPS. 951 OPS against left-handed pitchers. So left-handed pitchers that Kyle Stowers hasn't had a single chance to see since he was called up to the majors. Yep. Gunner what Henderson are we doing? Is tr- Gunnar Henderson's OPS was like 700 against left-handed pitchers. Yeah, and he's in the lineup damn near every day. Right, which I'm not complaining about. He deserve, he should be there. Your, your Absolutely. everyday player should play against whoever's on the mound. Kyle Stowers hasn't even begin the, been given the opportunity. How can Brandon Hyde – does he know these numbers? He I don't think he does. It's, it's There's like, no way that he knows these numbers and still continue – and there's no way that they're seeing him – in practice, and saying there's something we see in his swing. At some point, with those numbers, he should be getting an opportunity against left-handed pitching. And he's just not. To take out a guy from your starting lineup in the fifth inning for because of one at-bat against a left-handed pitcher? For a platoon matchup that's not even a real split category that makes any sense at all. For one of the worst hitters in baseball this year. Yeah. It's it's mind-numbing. The fact that, and even if you don't like certain things that you've seen from Kyle Stowers and make you for some reason believe that he, I can't figure out which way, my, my hat's crooked the wrong way. <laughs> Is your, anyway. your screen mirrored a little bit? Yeah. Um, so, Kyle Stowers, even if you've seen something in him that leads you to believe that he won't be able to hit major league left-handed pitchers the same way, at some point you put him in there. And he, he just hasn't. 
He just hasn't. I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. Taron Vavra is getting a start against a left-handed pitcher tonight. But Kyle Stowers can't get off the bench. It doesn't. This is, to me, there's no way, there's no way that Mike Elias is telling Brandon Hyde, do not play Kyle Stowers versus left-handed pitching. Not a chance. There's no way he's saying that. This is one of many reasons why I don't think Brandon Hyde's the guy moving forward. Sigma Dell said in an interview that lineup decisions are solely on the manager. Like, they Good give an know. input, but it, the lineups are, are the manager's decision. So this is a manager's decision. Kyle Stowers deserves an opportunity, especially, he said, if we were if we were 20 games under 500 and weren't in the playoff race, he'd be getting more opportunities. Yeah, what the hell does that mean? Well, so He's one of your better hitters. Yeah, and he's been tearing the cover off the ball recently. Uh, I just, I'm ready for the, the year to be over just to get rid of Ruth Neto Door. I'm ready for the year to be over because I have to believe that Brandon Hyde's not coming back next year. I have to believe he's not coming back next year. Didn't they already pick up his option or give him an extension? That I'm pretty. So. I'm pretty sure. I mean, that, yeah, you're right. It, the it White means, Sox fired Rick Renteria before this past season. Yeah. Two now years, I before two years ago. Uh, sorry. It, yeah, right. it, it, people, people have said that. I mean, you can pick up options on people all you want. I mean, how many times have you seen in the NFL the player's option gets picked up or his fifth year option or whatever, and then the next thing you know, he's released by the team. It, it to me, it is so abundantly clear and obvious that Brandon Hyde has been a roadblock for the Orioles this year. And I'm just, I'm just done with him. I'm just done with him. And what I hate is that he's probably, he probably is going to be the manager next year. And probably maybe with more talent on the roster next year, you'll see him still make the same egregious mistakes. And be like, Oh shit, we, we should have gotten rid of him after last season. Yeah. But it's, it's like, it, it's I, like be, beating my head against the wall at this point. No, I know. And some of these decisions have just been completely incomprehensible. And we, we've we talked in the past, not you and I, but Oriole fans collectively have talked in the past about how it's hard to judge a manager when he's not given talent to work with. Mm-hmm. And so we, we've given Brandon Hyde a long leash because, yeah, the Orioles have lost a ton of games the last few seasons, but it's because the team was not talented. They did not have good players on the team. Well, guess what? This year they did, and they have. And I find myself far more often than not questioning what the hell Brandon Hyde is doing. And it, feel, cause I, it feels bad because I want to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not one to, to go online and go on a podcast and completely trash the guy who's running my favorite team. Mm-hmm. But something's got to give. I never complained. About, maybe on a random Sunday when Dave Trembley sent out a terrible lineup <laughs> and they were 0-16 on Sundays, I complained. I can remember a couple of times complaining about Buck Showalter misusing a bullpen, but as he was usually so good about using his about how he used his bullpen, usually. I have never complained about a manager the way I've complained about Brandon Hyde. I've watched ninety eight percent of Orioles games in the last twenty five years. I have never dis- this strongly disliked a manager for this team. I the moves that he makes make no sense to me. The lineups that he puts out, the, the lack of effort to sweep a series against a bad team like uh, Boston or Oakland or Detroit or uh, Pittsburgh, the lack of effort to get that done, to me, it just, 
you can't defend it. You can't defend it. And somebody always plays a scapegoat. I think this team has won this year in spite of Brandon Hyde. I really, truly do. Because I think you, you can at, make a strong at, argument for that. If you look at how good the pitching's been, who's that because of? It's because Chris of Holt. Chris Holt. It's because of the analytics department and the player development development department. And sure, Brandon Hyde's a good player development guy, but that's how he got the manager job. He's not doing that anymore. Right. right? He's managing the big league ball club. The hitters, I mean, they've been basically the same as they were last year. And, like, the bullpen was – Mike Elias got rid of a couple of guys who we thought were their best relievers, brought in a bunch of waiver claims – and our development staff and analytics department made them what they were this yeah. year. Brandon, Brandon Hyde didn't do that. And, and maybe he had his finger in it. That I don't know. But the decisions he's made on the field, there's no defending it. There just isn't any defending it. Yeah, and and I guess my final thought is that, you know, it, it kind of it's kind of the same as what I said before, but we, we ha- he hadn't gotten a chance yet to manage a good Orioles team. Mm-hmm. Guess what, man? This was your chance. We had we were in a playoff hunt entering September. We we've been in this playoff hunt for most of the season since we made that that climb after Rushman was called up and had the best record in the American League over three months. We've been in the race, and we've fallen out of it because of decisions that he has made. And so if that if that qualifies as, as an audition, he doesn't get the part for me. Yeah, and I. I, I I know Elias likes him. I, I know I know the front office loves the guy, but man, I I, I didn't think you know even a week ago you, you would you would go on a, a a Brandon Hyde rant, and I'd kind of agree, but at the same time I wouldn't really get as heated. I'm I'm at my wits end now, and I can't believe it only took a week and a half, but here we are. Yeah, I'm you, done. You you're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, and you're putting out a lot of. Um, Zach Goodman from the who does the bat around with me, he sent me a, a DM on Twitter and he said this is like a twenty eighteen lineup or a twenty nineteen. I made a joke that said the only thing missing from this lineup is John Andrioli. Yeah. If you if you take this lineup and the way that the Orioles have pitched the last three days, this is a hundred and ten lost team. It's a hundred and ten lost team. Uh, it blows my mind that he's not putting his best foot forward here. It's not like this is a Sunday afternoon. It's Wednesday night. And I, I, I know. I know that you're in the midst of 20 straight games to end the year without a day off. I get that. You, you don't have, have to, to give the, the four best hitters in your lineup a day off on the same day. Right. The, the, he does, he's done this all year. Resting, yeah. resting half of his starting lineup on the exact same day. Basically saying, I don't care if we win this game. You know, and, and, and the comment that he made about Stowers, if we were 20 games under 500, I'd be playing him. How do you say that about a young player who you don't want – Who people talk about how they think that these guys can be fragile mentally. I always say the, the, the mental fortitude you have to have to get to this level, you're not fragile. But even if you – but say that you think that he might be and you don't want to stunt his development. Did you really say – that you would only play him if your team sucked. That's basically what you said. And yeah. I'm only going to be playing Ryan, uh, Kyle Stowers if my team sucks. What does that do to his psyche? That he can't get in the lineup unless the team is terrible. I, the the it, fact it, that he said that to me, when because when, when, somebody asked him, I think it was Nathan Ruiz, finally asked him 
why are you not playing him against lefties? And that was his response. It was the worst response I could have ever imagined. Terrible. It was an absolutely terrible response because, A, it was a cop-out, and because of all the other things you've done that show that you're not managing to win to get to the playoffs. We're in a playoff race, so I'm not going to play Kyle Stowers. But then why are you putting out lineups with uh, Ryan McKenna, Tyler Nevin, Jesus Aguilar, and Robinson Chirinos all in the lineup on the same day? Why are you going to Joey Crable in the close game in the fifth inning when he's been your worst reliever for two months? The, the These things don't add up, and then on top of that, now you're – you're basically telling a young prospect who you want to be a really good player and think could be, you're not good enough to make my starting lineup. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's not good. It's not what you want. Yeah. At least you wouldn't think so. It, it, it almost reminds me of when Elias came out and said that, you know, somebody in the group of Dean Kramer and Keegan Aiken and whoever all those guys were, I don't know. I'm, I'm foggy at this point, but someone needs to step it up. Dean Kramer answered the call. But there were a lot of people who were kind of saying, that's not really something you want to hear from your GM. But he he was right. He was absolutely right. One of those guys had to take a big leap forward, and they did. But when the manager's coming out and saying that about a guy who is on the roster and more than capable of hitting and hasn't been given a chance, and you're going to come out and say, yeah, if, we, if, we, if we weren't in a playoff hunt, maybe I'd consider playing him, giving him a shot against left-handed pitching. Well, it's... It's incomprehensible. It really is. That's the best word I can yeah. I can come up with. There, there is nothing that – I always think to myself, the stuff I say about Brandon Hyde, what I say it to his face. And I always try – I don't like to like – I don't like to confront people. I don't like to be confrontational. I'm, Me but I'm also I'm also not one of those keyboard cowboys, as Rockabaka likes to call them, where I'll say something and then hide, and then hide behind my keyboard. Right. If Brandon Hyde came up to me, he's like, hey, I heard you had all this stuff to say. I would say to him exactly the same thing. There's And, and there's nothing, maybe not as harshly, I probably sugarcoat it for him, but yeah. I would tell him why I don't think he's doing a good job. And then the, the there's not a single response that I can think of that would suggest to me that Kyle Stowers should have gotten an opportunity to get his left-handed pitching. Unless Kyle Stowers specifically went to Brandon Hyde and said, hey, look, I don't know how I did that against left-handed pitching because I've never been able to hit it my entire <laughs> life until the last two years, and I'm not comfortable enough to take big league at-bats against left-handed pitching, which Kyle Sowers would never do. No. He would never do that. So there's really no there's no excuse that Brandon High could give me that would hold any water to me about why Kyle Sowers has an, an opportunity against left-handed pitching. Maybe he's got, like, a vision problem? Yeah, then why is he here? <laughs> Dude, I don't, I'm running out of ideas. I I don't know I he, and, we, we, and, and, and the whole DL Hall thing again not facing Kyle Tucker not not having yeah. DL Hall he didn't comment on it but having DL Hall out there as a lefty a power lefty who's got filthy stuff and you need one out and the guy's a left-handed batter and a base hit means that they're going to either tie the game or take the lead and you're all about matchups and then suddenly you're not about matchups what are we doing what are we doing here. If you don't think that D.L. Hall can get the job done there, then why is he on the team? Why were you so adamant that you had to call him up and put him in your big league bullpen and have him exhaust his innings on the big league club because you have to have your best pitchers on the roster in a playoff chase, but then not use them in key situations where they're the ones ones who can get the job done? There's the Paul I was waiting to hear. Oh, my God. He's just so bad. He's just (laughs) so bad. I'm not like he's a bad manager. And he's in over his head. 
I, I, I texted you last night. I said, I might yell about Stowers on the podcast, like actually yell. And I think we both got in our, our fair share of yelling. Yeah. Uh, Oil fans who are, are unfamiliar with our show are going to listen to this episode and, and think that we're the worst Orioles fans of all time. Uh, I would die for this team. Oh, absolutely. And I know I said this before, and I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to fan police myself or fan police other people. But, man, part of part of falling in love with a team and seeing them succeed for the first time in six years, six years there's so much that's exciting about that. But it's so much more infuriating when the decisions happen that hinder the team. Is Brandon Hyde smarter than we are? Probably. But man, if gosh, I, I he shouldn't be managing this team going forward. He's 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 well, held I, us back far more than he's helped. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I could do any better. No, you I know, I, I couldn't. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I could do any better. And somebody said to me, Brandon Hyde has forgotten more about baseball than you'll ever know. Someone I said that to me too. Might have been the same guy. I don't know that that's true. I, I, I know a lot about baseball. Like I know it's, I consider myself a baseball expert. Okay. But he has more, he has, I have no in-game management or even coaching at the lowest level experience. But Brandon Hyde, uh, yeah, he, he, he would do a better job than, he's doing a better job than I would ever do. But that's because I'm not qualified. You could say that about just about anybody who's had big league experience, that they're more qualified than I am. But I know what I'm looking at, and I know that there's a plethora of guys out there who could do a better job. Right now, Joe Madden and Don Mattingly are out there. I would rather have either one of them than Brendan Hyde and in a, in a landslide. Like, I have a show. I have two shows, obviously, and I don't – like, it makes me – gives me anxiety to criticize the manager this much because it makes me think that other people aren't going to want to come on my show because Same. I yeah. the manager. Same, yeah. That's part of why I've held back the way I have. Right, and that's why we hold back. That's why I don't just straight up yell like I just did. He's a bad manager. He needs to be gone. But this is how I feel. I love this team, and I want what is best for this team. And Brandon Hyde is not what's best for this team. He's holding them back. He's holding them back. And honestly, I think think I'm going to be proven right. I think I'm going to be proven right this offseason. I, I, something in me says that and it's because I've been right about stuff like this a lot. And again, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. Uh, Zach and I on, on the batter round, we, we've made predictions and, and statements about stuff, and they tend to be right. I have to believe that baseball guys who are smarter than me have seen the same things, and Brandon Hyde's not the guy moving forward. I think something's going to happen this offseason. I think, I think he's losing his job. I, I hope you're right. I really do. And I, I, there are. Orioles minor leaguers and minor league coaches that follow the account that this show is currently live broadcasting to. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to badmouth your guy, but man, it's been it's been an incredibly frustrating end to an incredibly fun season. And that's the best way I can describe it, I think. Yeah. It's, it's this year's been, been a blast. It's, it's been it's a been hell of a year. Awesome. No one expected the team to come anywhere near this far. We should have been eliminated from playoff contention a month and a half ago. They're but the fact of the, the matter is we're not. They're crawling to the finish, and a lot of that falls on the manager. Ryan, we have no ability to stay under 45 minutes to an hour. No. We're terrible at it. That's all right. 
I still got six minutes till my class starts. Uh, as I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, the last manager to win manager of the year and miss the playoffs was Bud Black with the 2010 Padres. For the American League, it's Buck Showalter with the 2004 Rangers. If you think Brandon Hyde's manager of the year, that's fine. He's probably not going to win. Uh, and even if he does, it doesn't mean that he's the guy moving forward. It's, it's a, no, absolutely it's, not. It's a glamour award. It's it, 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 it's like, hey, you're the prettiest manager. Here's an award. It means exactly. nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, would it be cool to have him win it? I guess. But at this point, I kind of hope he doesn't just because. I don't want him to win it. No. He, didn't, he doesn't deserve it. God, yeah. I'm so angry about him. Brian, <laughs> you, you, I was fine. I started the show. I was fine. You were. You, you told you, me that, that you were going to let me yell and that you'd try to tone me down if I got too emotional. And then I'm the one who – you got me all riled up, man. It's just, it's just nice to hear somebody who I, respect, who I respect in baseball agree with me about this. Yeah, it's – it's yeah, I, I certainly do agree with you. And I think you were talking about me. I, yeah. I don't want to no, jump was, ahead I, of myself. I was, <laughs> I was talking about Zach, but you – know. I didn't want to accept a compliment that wasn't directed at me. But, yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of opinions floating around on, on social media and people that – I don't want to say don't matter, but don't really have a, a, a voice with experience. And um, a lot of people who are just kind of blindly fans who, who wear the orange sunglasses. And, and then, look, this, does, this isn't to discredit any of those people. Be a fan however you want to be a fan. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you have to be willing to admit that even when things are all sunshine and rainbows, which the Orioles are going for their 81st win tonight, they very well might guarantee themselves a non-losing season less than four hours from now. Not, not the right but, these past two games are gone. And not with the lineup they're floating out tonight. But nevertheless, the, the bottom line here is, is we all love the Orioles. We all want to see them win. I hope they can continue to win. Ideally, it's with a different manager. If it's with the same manager, hopefully he figures something out, starts taking advice from from higher-ups, and stops playing soft almost. Look, if the Orioles go out next year and win 95 to 100 games and make the playoffs and make a serious run in the championship, and they don't even have to do all that. If the Orioles go out and win 95 to 100 games next year and make the playoffs – I'll say I was wrong about Brandon Hyde. Me too. Me too. I I want to do that. I want to be wrong about him. I want this to be, well, they're telling him to do this because they still don't think they're quite there yet. But I don't think I am. Why would I want the Orioles manager to suck? Exactly. No, that's, that's what it comes down to. Uh, All right. We've, we've, I think we've both said our piece. Yeah. It's, it's been uh, a frustrating, but another fun show with you, Paul. Uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We will be going live on YouTube starting next week. Uh, you can comment along there during the show if you would like. We were unable to do that this week because there's like a, a waiting period. But uh, unfortunately, you can't comment along on Twitter, which is where we are live streaming right now. Uh, I guess they haven't figured out the logistics of that or something. It should be available on StreamYard at some point in the future. But for now, if you want to continue to follow along when we do this live, you can do so on our YouTube channel. We will be live there beginning next week. Comment along. We might even pull your comments up on the screen, react to some stuff, and uh, it'll give us some things to talk about, hopefully. But uh, in any event, thank you, as always, to Derek and Tony at Utah Street Report for hosting the pod. Paul, any final thoughts before I sign us off? 
Just win two more games. Please. Right. See you guys next week on Give That Fan a Podcast.